0: And we are back, baby. The Look Good, Feel Good podcast, best part of the week. What's going on,
1: Coach Mario? What's up, buddy? You ready to rock and roll on this Monday?
0: Oh, yeah, my man. You know, I look forward to this every week. It's a great opportunity for you and I to kind of chop it up and get our thoughts, ideas, answer questions, deliver value to everyone that tunes in. And I think it's just a a good all-around setup and uh, consistent thing we got going.
1: Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, we're on 53? 53, one a week. It's like almost a year and a half, dude. I mean, we're cranking. And we've came a long way. You know, we kind of always look back at our first one. And <laughs> I think even before the first one, it screwed up and we didn't, couldn't record it. Was it or the second one? It was like, man, we don't know what we're doing.
0: No, I know the first one was real bad. So if I tell someone to tune in, I say, whatever you do, don't listen to the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend it.
1: T- we should just delete it, bro.
0: No, because it's a good opportunity to kind of look back from where we started. I remember clear as day. We were over at that office you had going on when you were taking your master's, Uh and we we set up camp in that conference room.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, and we tried to do cameras, too. Remember that?
0: Yep, we had no strategy, no game plan. We hit play, and uh, yeah, we just... Talked and talked and
1: we're like it can't be that hard, bro. All you gotta do is talking to a mic about what you already know. Like how hard can that be?
0: We told stories about ourselves. Um, I mean, but the most important part
1: is we got started. We got started, bro. The first, uh, the, what's the road to a thousand miles begin with one step? You
0: know. Yeah, exactly. No, we hit play and we got rolling and we knew we we're gonna get better. We knew we we're gonna suck at first, but hey, you know, uh, we always talk about, you know, you gotta avoid that paralysis by analysis, analysis right? Yeah. You can't overthink it. Because uh, changes are you won't make any moves and then, you know, all this time passed by where you could have gotten a thousand times better with what you're doing if you would have just started.
1: Yeah, it's that they're over strategizing. They want a perfect way to do things and there's no such thing.
0: No, no such thing. So today what I wanted to kind of get started with was just the value of having mentors, right? In this, you know, day and age, you can find mentors online you can reach out to people, you know, DM on Instagram, but you could also have real life mentors. You could have mentors that, you know, you follow based on the books they wrote, you know, older, older cats. I kind of follow is like the Carnegie principles and, um, and just people that, you know, can deliver some value to me that I feel have it figured out that I believe in them. I trust them. I like them. So if I can kind of, you know, follow their route of what they do, how they act, how they operate, and pick up a thing or two. That's such uh, a more clear aspect and way for me to learn than, you know, college, Uh, you know. I I feel I've learned so much through self-development, through other people that are in the field, in the trenches that have experience, than a college textbook. What do you think?
1: Absolutely, 100%. I think that social media has allowed that Uh, to be ubiquitous you can find it anywhere at any time Uh, and especially once you know what you're looking for uh, and and looking up to people that you admire they uh, most often are putting out content uh, in real time and that's the most important part because they are giving you the stuff that is working in the moment because they too are in the trenches just like us and um, you know for me it's about you know, what is their mindset? Like successful people have a belief system and a habit system in place that makes them successful. And so what I'm trying to do is pick those out distinctly if they're not giving you that, right? Some of our mentors tell us how to be successful. Other guys are showing their success and we have to kind of pick, hey, well, that's why he does so well here. This is why he's so successful. And then we pick those out as data points, right? We talked about Taking all these points that we know, like our experience basically is just data points uh, connected together in our own way of doing things. And so, right, we're not going to take everything that Gary V says. We're not going to take everything that uh, who are some of our uh, like go to CrossFitter athletes. Yeah. We,
0: ben Bergeron.
1: Absolutely. Right. There are a lot of level. things that I agree with that he says, and there are a lot of things I don't. And, you know, for me to be unique, it's about. Picking and choosing the things that work for me, not just for the sake of doing it. I'll do things They don't work, then it's not something I use. Not just, I'm not going to try it because I don't like what he's saying because it offends me. No, I want to be open-minded to that. And then ultimately, who we are as coaches at this moment basically is a combination of those things that we've heard, that we've put into experience, and the things that have worked, we've kept, and those that haven't, we don't use anymore.
0: Yeah, I think the, the great sweet spot to that point is finding something that works, that has proven to work time after time after time, very consistently. And then if you want to put your own personal twist to it, to mm-hmm. what you feel makes it a little bit better, takes it to that next step, m- a little bit more convenient mm-hmm. or, you know, anything that delivers more out of it, you can kind
1: of make that your own and, uh, and make it even better. Absolutely. And the thing for me at this point of my career is mm-hmm. that no matter how good something sounds, I know that there's a counter argument, absolutely 100%. And so I, I try to pick that up if I can uh, kinda understand what I think the counter argument is or why that would or wouldn't work. Yeah, you're playing a little devil's advocate. And you should absolutely 100% because eventually it's gonna come up anyways whether you're forced to come up w- with that because the client actually uh, presents the other side of what you're doing or presenting or thinking. Or uh, you're just going to remain ignorant because you think it's only a one-sided conversation and you don't leave yourself open to, uh, you know, a dialogue that can actually help us both grow.
0: Yeah, you become a yes man and anything that everyone else says must be right. And you're not finding the true, hey, does this work? Can I apply this? Because at the end of the day, it comes down to application. You know, if I'm online, you know, scrolling through social and, people are telling me things, but I don't see any actions backing it up, then, Hey, you know what? I don't really think they're, you know, about with what they're saying. They're blowing smoke. And there's a lot of people that just blow smoke nowadays for the show yeah. that, you know, uh, dude, I, I sometimes sc- like scroll through Instagram and I see these people that are fake motivators, right? They, these yeah. people are renting like million dollar cars and say, Hey, you could have this. I'm like, dude, that's, that's not even really your local. car. It's not even your car. You're at someone else's house like and there's a lot of scammers out there. Anyways, uh, just getting off topic a little bit. But, you know, I can kind of leave it with this. If you know someone in your area and you want to kind of take that mentorship to the next level instead of just, you know, following people online or or paying for classes or programs. But if you see someone that's actually in your area day to day doing what you want to do, you know, reach out to them. And if you can kind of provide them some value on the back end, like, hey, I can do this for you. I just want to learn what you do and how you do it, right? And this could be anything from, hey, let me buy you lunch or let me buy you coffee and then, you know, get some time or take it to that next level say, hey, you know, I'll uh, intern, I'll intern for three months. And uh, I just want to be a fly on the wall watching what you do. Or, hey, do you have any paperwork that is getting in your hair that you don't want to do dish it off to me and just teach me how to do things
1: yeah that's powerful and I think you just really on the higher higher level order of a success and action is you know to me reading the guy's book and watching his videos is a fine line between mentor um Uh, Really, that's to me is a role model because there's just no relationship there really that that true heart definition to me as a mentor someone who like you said you're getting in there you develop a personal relationship with them and then by the way you read their books and watch their videos but for me that's accessory to the uh, relationship that you build and I think that's the feedback loop that you need, right? It's like, man, I'm really struggling with this. And you could talk to your mentor about that and they can give you positive feedback or just say, Hey, I've been there before. And that's, uh, ultimately, uh, the power of the mentor.
0: Yeah. And there's, there's mutual communication consistently. And, you know, there's still a lot of value for you to mentor somebody else. If you're, if you're, if you're teaching someone that, you know, aspires to do what you do, you know, just you, regurgitating everything you do is making it that much clearer from your mental aspect as well. Right. So you're just kind of, you know, going through the role play of, Hey, this is how I do it. And it's just kind of getting drilled on your systems, your processes for everything you do and how you operate. It's just becoming more and more clear. Say, Hey, this is how I got successful Mm -hmm. to where I'm at. So this is like my roots and this is what, you know, I refuse to get away from because this is what got
1: me to where I'm at. That's powerful because we go back to the initial convo, which is, hey, that we have the data points of our experience and what we think works and doesn't. It's not until you have to regurgitate it that you have to put those data points in order uh, with a system and a method. And that's, again, like you said, it's bringing clarity back to what we believe our core beliefs are based on our current experience with the mentors and everything uh, that we have in place already.
0: And we as coaches, we're always saying the best way to learn something is to reteach it, mm-hmm. right? So just from that standpoint alone, you know, there's tremendous value. So, you know, I'll kind of just close it with this. Um, Determine the best way you learn, and that could be to reach out to a mentor and see what they do, especially if they're in a field that you aspire to be in. I uh, personally really struggled in school and college because I wasn't a great learner from textbooks Mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, that style of learning. But I tell you what, I graduated and now. It's like, Hey, there's no, no, no more school, but my education doesn't stop. Never right. Ends. So I'm doing the whole podcast. I'm doing, you know, um, you know, reading from people that I believe are, are high level with success. And then, you know, trying to get around people that, you know, I mm-hmm. wouldn't mind trading places with. That's what I really, you know, believe that you should seek out advice from is people. You wouldn't mind trading places. That's with. That's good. So. I love that. So, Cool, man. So I'm going to go ahead and drop it over to you. I heard you got some mini nuggets for us lined up. My man, what you got today?
1: Yeah, buddy. Um, One of the things that uh, I think is hard as athletes, and especially recreational athletes, people that are training really hard, but they're not, right, we're not going to the Olympics or the CrossFit Games, is that this idea that mental toughness can be trained as a tangible product. Okay. And we recognize like as athletes that the ultimate outcome is to produce a physical capacity that can give us the opportunity to win right the sport is negligible the uh training philosophy is negligible that's not what we're talking about but ultimately we are using we're trying to develop a physical capacity that will give us an advantage on the playing field and what I think gets lost sometimes is that we believe that all we have to do is get stronger, faster, and better equipped at movement because that's all we spend our energy and time talking about. And what I'm coming to understand is that really a separation between good and great athletes is mental toughness, not just cute mental toughness, like actual uh, habits, pregame post game, uh, they have mental attitudes and philosophies that separate them of course and how they deal with any type of adversity right the entire process right because when we talk about the process of training uh, I think uh, especially recreational athletes uh, as I like to call them or as it is called uh, in the CrossFit community is all our energy is spent on what type of movements we agree on, what type of uh, methods we want to use, rep schemes and things like that, that this convo about mental toughness gets lost. And I think the reason for that is it's philosophical and nobody uh, – and it's hard it's to tough grasp. to quantify, right? Yeah, it's, it's tough to quantify. But I would say uh, with the material that I've been reading lately is that – we have to try to quantify the mental toughness right uh, we can do that right rpe uh, rate of perceived exertion to me is a is a qualitative factor that we've tried to quantify because like i said it's hard to say hey how are you feeling right now oh i'm feeling good well that doesn't mean or that's that's kind of hard what do you mean by hard so rpe came around as studies and they use that to put saying, hey, we're going to push your level of intensity and tell me how you feel, and they rated that on zero to ten. And so what it was doing is trying to quantify the individual's mental toughness as I keep pushing you, hey, this is a six. I felt like that was an eight, like I couldn't breathe anymore, and I had to, you know, I could only say one word before I had to catch my breath again. And so if we take it from that perspective and we look at the type of common mental toughness strategies that are used, we have to uh, make it more usable by creating tangible way to develop that skill, Brett. Because that's the way we're doing it in CrossFit. That's how we're doing it in group training. What's your current strength level? What's your capacity? How are we going to get from where you are to where you want to be and build that capacity? And for me, is just really getting to this point with them. Because here's what's happening: I know they're skilled. I saw everything pre-warm up. I looked at everything. We agreed to the weights. We agreed to the the, the range of motion. And then somewhere in the middle of a 20-minute AMRAP. It goes to shit. And I'm thinking, they have it in them. They don't need more strength. They don't need more endurance at this moment to consistently do well in this workout. So what's happening? Mental toughness or the lack thereof. They are getting surprised that it's getting hard, which is a surprise to me always, right? I'm surprised by them being surprised. That's the whole point. Uh, They don't understand that uh, this expectation that the challenge is what we're chasing. And I think that also... It's very abnormal to push as hard as we do. And if you recognize that that is not part of the natural system, that we have to build mechanisms to kind of trick the system to keep pushing hard to build growth. Meaning, in the middle of the workout, positive affirmation. Here's a great example. Positive affirmation is very intangible. It's hard to be like, okay, what's a good positive? Like, what are are things that I can say that are going to help me perform better? Very intangible. But we can make them tangible by saying, when – You need a spark of energy, and you need a spark of positivity. What's a word you could say right now that would get you there? And for me, in the middle of that AMRAP, and I feel one either – I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. Is my lack of performance causing negative thoughts to come through my head, or is the negative thoughts through my head causing the lack of performance? I think it's both. I think sometimes you try to throw the bar up to the shoulders and you're surprised it didn't get there and then you say something negative to yourself and that performs more negative performance uh, and more positive negativity. Or if you walk in with a bad attitude today, you automatically start performing worse. So I'm not trying to define which one, I say we nip them both in the bud. So I'm um, in that moment, I go for the clean, I miss it. The first thing that you gotta say is, you. Dude, you're, you're strong. You're strong, Mario. Strong. You're strong, Mario. You're
0: ready for this. You're prepared you, for this. You've
1: done this a million times. So that was like, hey, that's that outlier. I missed it. But now I can quantify that because that word for me always directly most often produces a positive outcome. That redirects me. It centers me. I take a few breaths, and I get back on there, and I get it. That is not coincidence.
0: Yeah, I think you can – throw in these reps, so to speak, along with the reps of the workout, right? During this, I know when it gets hard, I'm going to throw in two positive affirmations reps.
1: Wow. That's positive. I like that.
0: You know, why not? And you know, and it's gotta be something that, you know, can hit you hard. It's like, okay, Hey, my go-to, you know, if I'm going for a super heavy lift and I'm a little bit nervous or whatever, my go-to affirmation is you're a gamer. that's what i tell myself you're you're that's what you're
1: meant to do like yeah that's your thing this
0: yeah like if you're gonna run away with the tail between your legs right now you don't need to be out doing this what you're doing right so you can program these you know i think that's a great idea you could program these affirmation reps you know during your workout you know you have you know between one and three to tell yourself when that time of adversity in the workout gets hard because you should know it's going to get hard. Absolutely. You have to go into the workout, It's you know, knowing it's going to get hard. So when you talk about mental toughness, I think uh, from an awareness standpoint, you got to know, hey, this is going to come not a matter of if but when. And then if you're prepared for that, that kind of, you know, gets that level of mental toughness that, hey, you have the athlete awareness and the preparation to You know withstand that hit you know that gut check during the workout
1: yeah and ultimately comes down to the the idea of mental toughness just to be tough to be tough like we don't want to walk around like looking like pumps punks uh because we're we think we're mentally tough and better than other people it's a it's a it's a position of composure it's in sport it's in life it's that uh this is really uncomfortable right now but i need to compose myself in this moment because there's a task that needs to happen uh, my favorite sport to watch for that is tennis absolutely 100% uh, the the athlete can go from that's uh,
0: crazy what they do in tennis it's dude.
1: unbelievable it's unbelievable from the capacity that they have one is it's a one-on-one sport the coach can't even signal to their athlete or it's a penalty um, is, it's a one-on-one sport in an arena it's like modern day gladiator and that's at one moment the athlete can perform literally not even moments seconds in a 20 second interval he can go from the worst serve ever to the best serve ever that's composure that's mental toughness and everything that goes through his head in those next 20 seconds is the tangible skill that he knows that he has to do in order to do well because if he didn't he that would miss two serves that would miss three serves and they literally have to forget it of how awful that serve was throw in the positive affirmation or whatever it is or the the whatever the skill set that he's using there's so many drills and skills for mental toughness we're using one of the most common um but that is happening and for the best athletes in the games that is happening that was that rich froning look we always talk about that like he would purposely stop when he needed to because he always had a level of awareness of knowing when he knew he had to go hard and when he knew he didn't have to. Or if he did really bad in one workout, that you knew that he was going to have the mental toughness to get through that event to come back even better. And that's why he's been so successful.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, going back to your the tennis standpoint, the arena is so quiet. Right. So the amount of self-talk that those athletes are going through through an entire tennis match is a crazy amount. Right. And and, you know, any sport in general, when, you know, the entire arena or, you know, golf is mm-hmm. a good one too, when they're making that last putt for the masters. Right. The whole place is completely and silent, quiet. So there's no distractions, right? So, you know, these athletes are in their heads, you know, but it depends what they're saying in their head. Right? Is it positive? Is it, you know, confident or is it like nervous, you know? And that's what separates the highest level athletes Absolutely. is they're confident. They have the mental toughness, you know, they're not worried. They're not scared. They're not unprepared for that moment. So I think the correlation between mental toughness and positive self-talk is, is huge.
1: Yeah, and I think that just comes through time and experience. It's why I think that former athletes do well in a program like ours because that was an expectation they knew from the get, and, but they've known how to over overcome these adversities through sport. And all we did was transfer it to uh, you know, exercising fast.
0: Cool. So... Let's go right into Q&A, my man. We got some questions that we want to answer for you guys. And I remember the first one was, was, you know, going on stretching. When should I stretch before, after my workout, and should I do it every day?
1: You want to go? Yeah, sure, sure. (laughs) I got
0: it, my man. I got it. So, you know, depending on where you're at right now, mobility and flexibility-wise is – Uh, distinguishes how much you need to stretch, right? If your, you know, mobility and flexibility is a huge limiting factor, I'd say, hey, this is a weakness for you. You have to focus on this weakness and start stretching, right? Now, before, after, during, it's not as important as actually doing the work and doing the stretches, right? If you have time only to do stretching before you work out, then do it before you work out. If you only have time to do it on your lunch break, do it on your lunch break. If you have time to do it after, do it after. But the most important component is actually getting, you know, the minutes in of stretching to quantify of you seeing improvements in your flexibility. How would you answer it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't believe that every athlete, it's rare for every athlete to suffer huge limited range of motion at every single joint in their body. So one is Develop a self-awareness at your current capacity at baseline flexibility. To me, I define baseline flexibility as your capacity at the normal range at that joint, right? Like to me, if you can't bring your biceps over ear without you overextending your lumbar or bending your elbows, you don't have baseline capacity, not Olympic gymnastic capacity. If you can't touch your toes while lo- uh, in the standing position while your knees locked, you don't have baseline capacity. These are very basic assessment tools that you need to know. So one is creating self-awareness, two is what's the purpose of stretching? To me, there's only two purposes, right? Like one like the whole idea of like limiting injury sure, like but nobody will ever know if that stretch you're doing was the cause of you never getting injured or getting injured, right? So I don't like to treat it from that standpoint. I think about it like to me it's about performance. Like If my shoulders tend to be a little bit tight and I'm going overhead today, you better believe everything I'm doing pre-warmup is to get me to at least baseline capacity so I'm not becoming more inefficient by doing a technique because I can't even find myself in the right position to do it well. That's it. I'm not like pretending that 20 minutes of stretching is going to make me feel like Gumby, but could it make me feel more loose and closer to baseline flexibility overhead to perform well? Then do it. And then so what's the purpose after? That reduce like injury rate, like that like I never like I never do it for that. Because at the end of the day, unless we were psychic, like we would never know if like me stretching overhead after a workout of a lot of jerks is really going like to save yeah. my shoulder from ripping tomorrow like mm-hmm. that's not why i do it it's man i just want to feel looser than i currently feel and then maybe a so nice way get, to cool down get me yep nice way to cool down and calm that tightness that i know is just already tight but like to be like i'm trying to get like gumby by spending all this time stretching is a waste of time um and and so self-awareness And then uh, knowing how to get from where you currently are to where you want to get. If you don't have three to five go-to stretches for those areas of immobility, you are already behind. Yeah. No, I love that. Next question. Yeah, this is a good one. And um, it's a really good one, uh, especially in our program. I'm always comparing myself to other athletes in the workout uh, and on the app. Is that wrong? Um, If so, if so, why? If not, why? You want to
0: take this one to start out?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a fine line. I think that if you don't compare yourself to the best athletes, you don't know – what you are capable of, right? Like Prefontaine was the first athlete to run a four minute mile. If nobody knew that that guy had broken the record, nobody would have known that it was actually plausible to break the four minute mile because decades prior, they said it was physically impossible. So yeah, at some point you need to compare. But if you are infatuated by comparison, you like you are missing the point my friend and that is you didn't sign up to compare yourself to them you signed up to be a better version of yourself and what happens and this is where i said coaching is teaching someone how to squat is the easiest part of our job it's how to communicate what we want them to do for the for the best thing for them long term meaning The athlete wants to go RX because they are comparing themselves to somebody else who's going RX knowing that these two movements that they're going RX are well above their capacity, but they're going to do it anyways. Because somebody else did. Because somebody else is doing it and they're going to regret it. It's not a good idea. And even if they do it RX, but they do it four rounds less, then we know that it didn't match or preserve the stimulus that we're looking for it to produce in the workout. And that athlete that went RX who did it four more rounds than you, just because you did it RX, not only uh, they not only did they do more work, they got fitter. Mm-hmm. You could have got fitter if you just would have had some humility to bring some of these things down, so you didn't have to put your name on the board or on the app that said RX. And I believe if you're getting last place every single time, you're doing things uh, you're doing things more difficult than they need to be for your current capacity, vice versa. If you're taking first place in all these workouts, you aren't challenging yourself enough. How do I know? Because not even the CrossFit Games champion won every single workout, that's how I know.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. There can be a positive aspect to it and a negative aspect to it. If you're walking in the gym and the first thing you're looking for is the leaderboard, not even the workout, like, oh, what's the high score? What do I need to beat today? Then I think you're kind of starting off on the wrong foot, right? and then you know the positive aspect can be you know there's obviously a lot of competition in the sport of crossfit that's what you know delivers a lot of success to the program is we're all in the gym kicking ass together training hard competing with each other so you know there could be a positive and a negative aspect of it i think you need to have the awareness on getting fitter yourself uh, as a better version of you first and primary, and then correlate that with the people around you, good training partners, a good group class together, you know, bring that right to it. So from an example standpoint say, hey, I come in, you know, in the workout and whatever, I had a, you know, a a late night last night, I'm not feeling too good. But my normal training partner in class that I compete with day to day has a certain weight on the bar that I know I'm capable of doing. You know what? Not have to, cause he's got it right. So from that standpoint, yes, it's a good thing. But you know, from your standpoint, like you talked about, if you have no business based on your work capacity to do a weight, you know, or a rep scheme or any type of intensity that someone else in the class is doing, and you're doing it anyways just because they're doing it, then you don't have that awareness of your current capacity on how to set yourself up for success on how to get more fit
1: and this is where professional coaches come in because listen if you want to keep doing what you want to do regardless of what i tell you then dude just go to the commercial gym and save yourself a lot of money you came to this facility to sign up for at the cost that we did because you believe that we know what we're doing to get you to where you want to get now is it going to be on your timeline probably not it's not going to be on my timeline because first nobody knows how long that's really going to take and that this is a process. This is not something that you show up and all of a sudden you want to go to the CrossFit Games. Like, there has to be a reality check. Uh, and, and it's just respecting that process. Um, and so that's the hardest thing to do is not – the fact is the fact. You are going to do really bad today if you go RX because I know what your capacity is. But it's how do we deliver that message to them that is supportive, that is still encouraging, recognizing that you can still walk out with not your best performance, but you grew. You grew in the process because to the end goal is not to win the workout yeah. today. That is not the end goal. The end goal is not to win the workout today. The angle is to get progress, to get a new cue under in your head that works for next time this comes up in a conditioning piece. And that's what we talk about, the big theme. What's the big theme for each individual? I think each coach that should have. That aha happen, moment. That, hey, this is you today. This is your elbows, elbow lockout, and that's all you're thinking about today. Elbow lockout, elbow lockout. Come back to him, see it. Hey, remember? Elbow lockout. I can, I can do the elbow look across the room, and he knows what I'm thinking because that was our thing today. Uh, And we just got to develop that self-awareness. Yeah. And then,
0: you know, like we said earlier, it comes down to us as coaches being able to communicate that. And it comes down firsthand to them knowing, hey, we have the type of relationship where us as coaches have your best interest in mind. And I think this is a perfect segue to, you know, the highlight of the show. Highlight of the show, baby. Highlight. On... The importance of community, and then just the relationships we are developing as coach to athlete, and then vice versa, athlete to coach.
1: Yeah, it's a really unique model that we have, and that's that the the best coaches in our industry recognize that there has to be some level of connection that occurs. That's what people are trying to say when they're, s- they're saying, oh, we got the best community, and then I say, what do you mean by that? And they have no idea what they're talking about. What they're really trying to say is that there's a level of connection and understanding that we all have that's supportive to, to the end goal of each individual, which is progress, right, is they want to be better. And for us, there's always, we, you know, we talk about all the time, is that there's a, a a very push-pull relationship that we have to have with individuals, and that's that we have to, we recognize we have to build some type of connection through some level of friendship, right? Like I have tiers of friendship, right? Your core group versus, you know, the the, the lowest level would be acquaintances. And so what happens is that we, we know we have to build some level of connection to build trust in these individuals, but we also have to maintain a level of professionalism and uh, the product that we're trying to deliver. Because sometimes there are blurry lines with individuals who can't, they can't turn on the switch, right, from, hey, dude, we just hung out this weekend uh, for Brett's birthday party and had a beer, and then they're talking to me the same way they did at the bar when I'm trying to coach them on the snatch at the uh, in the middle of class. And, you know, that level of professionalism is an understanding from an individual and the coach that they're weaving in and out of these relationships. Some people do it really well, and some do it really bad, and that's um, – he he thinks he's close enough to me that I'm going to give him a recommendation. And he's going to ignore me anyway.
0: No, nah, yeah. It it comes down to, you know, the kind of the the philosophy on having that counterbalance to kind of weave in and out. Hey, I'm at the bar with my coaches on one of the coaches' birthdays. I'm laid back, atmosphere, having a good time, shooting the shit. I'm showing up to class on time, I'm getting in there, the workout briefing's about to start, I'm gonna give my coach the attention he deserves to listen to what he has to say as a coach, and I'm maintaining, now I'm the athlete inside the gym, right? It's, you know, kind of turning that switch on and off on where you're at, the type of setting you're in, and what type of, level of professionalism needs to be held at that point in time
1: and the opposite is true if you think all you have to do is be professional and yes sir no sir drill sergeant in the middle of class uh you'll never earn enough respect and trust through any of these individuals to actually get what you're trying to say absorbed uh into them because they don't even trust you they don't know like what you like to do for fun or um you know you know, what your limitations are, and that uh, can have a hindrance as well.
0: They don't know you care yet. You know, when I'm first trying to build credibility as a a fitness coach, you know, my first hand is trying to get them to know that I care and that, that they, you know, I have their best interest in mind. I'm not gonna say on the first day, hey, My name is Brett Reynolds. Uh, This is my credibility. This is what I've done. This is blah, 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 me, me, me. I'm asking about you. What's your fitness goals? How can I help you? How can I show them that I care? And I feel like that's the best way to build credibility, not the type of certification you have, not the type of um, educational courses you've taken, not what you've done, but how you can help them, how you can show them that you care and you know, that's the best way to build credibility is caring.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I I always say that my job is much easier than yours because I'm the gym owner. They're like, yeah, obviously he cares. He opened up a gym, you know, Uh, but I still can't assume that I have to, like I said, this week, like when I coach some new athletes this week in classes, I haven't coached in a long time. Hey, there's a, a level of tough love that I give. And, but I ultimately, take no pride in making you feel a certain way because that's what I'm trying to do. I love you guys and sometimes there has to be some honesty about, hey, listen, I really don't think those five bands are going to be a good idea for your pull-up. That is not to offend you, it is to really just give you the truth that you need to hear the best way possible. Hey, listen, I really don't think it's a good idea to add another 20 pounds to that bar today because here's what's going to happen in the middle of the workout. Are you cool with that? Like versus like they do it reluctantly, but they're like cursing you under their uh, under their lip. Like they're that's not what we want. It's not the culture we're trying to create. And it's something that we always are trying to mitigate because I think some people uh, become uncoachable, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. And, you know, if we can, you know, continue uh, continually build these relationships and make them stronger and stronger and stronger, they're on the same, you know, um, Concept that we are that hey, we have your best interests in mind and if they can't see that then what we'll, we're gonna have no relationship and we're not gonna be able to get them to progress as Athletes right because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is being on the same page, page talking yeah. the same language and uh, building that trust that um, that
1: relationship yeah, and so th- it's just something we're always weaving in and out and uh, sometimes you gotta apologize you know, I I said something to an athlete the other day, and they you could tell they took it. They were slightly offended by the way I said it, and but I had the self-awareness to recognize, man, that that's uh, that's not their coaching that's not their coaching style. And so when I come back, when I came back to give them another cue, I apologized. Yeah, it was three or four seconds, dude. I apologize. Hey, I uh, didn't mean to
0: offend you, but yeah, yeah.
1: no, I know you didn't. Taps mm. me on the back, give him a cue, B- versus someone who's like. Who cares whether he thinks that was rude or not? You're gonna lose him. They're never gonna listen to you again. Yeah.
0: I think uh no, I think that was awesome. And if you know, if you feel like we do a good job at building our relationships just like we talked about, then leave us a five star rating, man. Come on. Mario, yeah. I was uh on the podcast site on on iTunes kind of browsing on, you know, some of the comments and reviews. We only have eight people. Come
1: on, dude.
0: I I swear there's got to be more than eight people. I know there is. There's over
1: 200 people listening.
0: So, listen, please, guys. Like I told you uh, last time, you know, we are trying to climb and climb and climb, get this thing out there, get better. So, we would very, very much so appreciate if you left us a five-star rating and a positive comment. You know, tell us what you liked about the show, and uh, we'll keep bringing it.
1: We appreciate you guys, as always. See ya. See ya.